What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed, and I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund. Uh, we are broadcast live on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, powered by E360 TV. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching on the network, but if you're watching on social media, thank you. Uh, we appreciate your support there. Share, tag, like, subscribe, whatever, whatever platform you're on. Uh, that's your way of showing that you support what we're doing and we're grateful for you. Uh, today, we are going to have an awesome show. So look, Gratitude Unfiltered Remix, Gratitude Unfiltered, it's a ministry, right? But one of the things that um, I am, am proud of, and I wrestle with this sometimes because, again, I have a few different personalities that like to conflict with each other, is sometimes I'm on a path and I, okay, I get my mind up, made up, and this is what I'm going to do. And, and you know what? The thing with that is I do change my mind or I feel that I need to do something a certain way and it really doesn't even feel good to me to do. And I shared that when I talked about uh, the last episode I did about, um, gosh, what was a temptation versus, uh, <laughs> I forgot the name of it. But it was an episode discussing this internal conflict that goes on with me with having multiple personalities. And one of the things that gets in the way sometimes where I think that I'm supposed to do things a certain way, but then God really has a different plan for me. And one of the things that I've always prided myself on with Gratitude Unfiltered is that it's not an, a, a show or even a ministry that's meant for believers. It's for the outcasts, the misfits, the non-believers. I pride my show, I pride myself on the fact that I have gay people and transgendered and Muslims and atheists and Jewish people and Christians and 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 you whatever, Buddhists. We have so we have such a diverse audience here, and yet at the same time, this diverse audience listens to me talk about Jesus, which is kind of amazing. But that said. One of the things that I've done over the course of this journey with the evolutions of Gratitude Unfiltered is I wrestle with, this is a ministry, so I need to have guests on that talk about Jesus or blah, blah, blah. No, I don't want to do that. And so I have an apology, a public apology to make. That's why I'm going into all this stuff right now. I have an apology to make because I've had the, the guest that's on today, Mr. Benji Greenberg, who is one of the most talented and brilliant people I have ever spoke to or ever watched on TV. The dude is amazing. And, and I'm going to play a clip here in just a second before we bring him on. Absolutely funny. And um, 
and, and uh, but I ba- I kind of backed out. I flaked out. I I, I flaked out. No, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I flaked out like a douchebag because I was like, no, this is supposed to be a ministry, and we're going to talk about Jesus. No, that is not what this show is going to be. I'm not going to put myself in a box, and I'm not going to just have whatever. I'm not going to do that because I have other interests, and frankly, this show gets to be so much more. And the fact is, I've been wanting to interview this guy for a couple months, and then I was embarrassed for douching and flaking out, and then I didn't message him. And then all of a sudden, really funny how God works, he goes, hey, you haven't responded to Benji. Why aren't you calling him back? You need to have him on your show. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. So then I reached out to him, and, and, and he must be a super kind guy because I would have told me to piss off. But that's another story. <laughs> but he so graciously decided that he was going to come back on the show or come on the show, even after I flaked out. And uh, and I'm embarrassed by it. I'm ashamed of it. But I do hope he forgives me. And we're going to have an awesome interview. You do not want to miss this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into a clip. It's pretty cool. This is uh, our guest on the Jimmy Kimmel Show. And I'm going to shut up and then we're going to bring him on. Drew Carey is with us. Our next guest is an entertainer in every sense of the word. He's a walking Berlitz library who can do any accent from any place from Ryan, New York. Please welcome the many voices of Benji Greenberg to tonight's Future Talent Showcase. Jolly, what the? The bees are from the United Kingdom. They're jolly, what the, you know? The people from Germany, you know, they talk like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Middle East, you know, the people from the Middle East, you know, the pyramid is very good, you know. The French people, you see cafe and the croissant, very good today. What? What are you doing? What are you got? You got Marco Ball. Oh, Charlie Chan in California, or the egg for young. How you doing? You got Corona for me? How you doing? Best in action here. Stay away from the Chappie Critic River there. Oh, the people from Canada, you know. How you doing there, eh? What's happening there, eh? Bloody Scotland deal, you know, a bloody Scotland deal. God, the Western action here, yeah, why you say it there? You got on the Midwest, y'all got them damn tornadoes coming at you, better talk. Oh, man, everything cool, man. Just the way it is, man, everything cool, man. I miss you, Mr. Cavatelli, how are you doing? The Villa Parmesan, the restaurant, the very good today, you know, very good, very good, very good. How you doing? I don't know. Tony Soprano's sister, how you doing? Affleck. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a great pleasure for me to introduce to you the one, the only, I'm sure there's another Benji Greenberg, but there's not another one like this. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Benji Greenberg to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going today, Joshua? I'm good. Thank you so much for your patience, and I'm sure you heard my uh, apology. <laughs> so let, let me, let me, let please me, forgive let me. me. It's no problem. No problem. Everybody's busy nowadays, you know. But if you're trying to reach out to God, just remember sometimes he's on a coffee break. So give him some slack, you know. <laughs> you know what? Know what kind of coffee drinks, it feels but, like um, that. You know, maybe he's having it. Maybe he's at Starbucks with Moses. You know, who knows? <laughs> now that would be something I would love to see. Benji, first things first. Before we get into the interview today, what are you grateful for today, my man? Well, I'm grateful that I, that I'm um, that I'm still here turned 63 at the end of this month uh, and all things considered i'm all right you know 
How my heart scan. Yeah, yeah. How oh. I had my heart scan. Got a few things going on, but I may have my heart scan. It's in great condition, and uh, there's no blocked arteries. I had that sick, so it's kind of interesting. I, I, all the junk I've eaten over all the years, you know. Uh, I walk two miles a day, so I got to keep doing that, you know. So, what has that experience been like for you, especially with COVID going on? What has this experience been like for you? Oh, this had, had a lot of time on my hands. Kept busy, you know. Doing doing like a few podcasts here and there, uh, like like this one, uh, you know. Uh, just do, doing some exercise. Been in another business, a CBD business. So, uh, I actually, go ahead and talk about. I'm a, so I'm a huge proponent of CBD uh, and cannabis too, uh, because they both have their places in medicine. Because it right. is medicine; it's God's medicine. So, I, go ahead and talk about your CBD company because I actually know yeah. this brand and I love them. So, go ahead and talk about. It. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's called CTFO, and um, somebody got me through Facebook, and we kept talking, and she signed me up, and uh, it's a free, it's a free, you know, free website, free uh, uh, wholesale account. You're not required to do anything or even buy anything. So, uh, all right, check, let me check it out. Sign me up, and then she goes. She mentioned the marijuana plant, and I went marijuana plant. <laughs> I wasn't sure what this was. So now, one year and whatever it is, four months later, I've learned a lot about it, and it's amazing how um, how how these products are helping people. Just even even ordinary CBD could do something for somebody, but our CBD oil is one thousand times the strength of any other oil. It has a special patent; nobody can copy it. So it's helping people with pain, sleep, anxiety, uh, and God knows what else. You know, on, on top of it all, is you know? it full spectrum? Uh, yeah, it, it's a special technology called 10x Pure. You know, oh, wow. So it's, it's it has a special patent just for that. And the other products like 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 Dermavi, women use it on their face for let's say two or three weeks later, half their wrinkles are gone. You know, and the company gives you a 60 day full refund in case you're not satisfied or or for whatever reason you want a refund, no questions asked. So it's like doing this is like a no lose situation. In the CBD world, I, to me, that's big because one of the things that we, and I'm not intending for this whole thing to be a, this interview about CBD, but right. it is important to talk about a lot of the people CBD. Understand, people, man, you know, the people, you know, I've done a lot of reading about all this stuff, not about CBD, but way before that, I'm, I'm a big believer in alternative medicine. Yeah. You know? Let me give an example about alternative medicine. Okay. I used to get, I used to play racquetball tournaments just like in the middle eighties. So one time I had sciatica from, from serving. And if you have sciatica, you know, everybody knows how painful that is. People yeah, get it for different reasons, you know. Make a long story short, um, if I after the first round of the tournament, it's like tennis. You go out, you, you win, you keep playing, you know. So yes. what happened was um, um, I, had, I had the sciatica. Now, if I had gone to an orthopedist or a regular doctor, they would, have, they would have either given you pain relievers or muscle relaxers and not play. Here's what the chiropractor did, okay. He uh, manipulated the muscle deep within my my uh how do you say we ran let's be straight out you know of course i was screaming for about five minutes but it felt so much better afterwards and he adjusted me on top of that i was able to make it through the tournament and i actually won the tournament hey so yeah. alternative medicine and regular medicine yeah you know? well the CBD, cbd is that nowadays the market's become oversaturated and there's a lot of junk out there there's a lot of stuff oh, yeah. that's from china and listen i'm not anti-china about a whole lot some things yes but not everything but the cbd and some of the medicines that are coming over there are not what you think it is and in that they're being pushed on you because they have clever marketing 
uh, Clipper packaging, and a lot of people are falling for it. I can tell you that Benji's company, it's with CNFO? CTFO. CTFO, that's right. Yeah. I remember when I was doing, uh, I was buying for a direct sales company, and one of the things that we were sourcing was CBD. I got to see the lab testing and a lot of the different things about the product, and it really is terrific. So if you are looking for a good CBD company, Benji, tell people how they can find you so they can learn more about it. Sure. You, you could email me at Benji, B-E-N-J-Y, 444 at Yahoo, or my phone is 914-565. 3583 they can text me i can send them some information man you're about to get some phone calls all over the world now <laughs> so uh, actually I can't believe you just actually, gave your phone number um we, we actually but, go, i'm sorry go, go ahead. ahead no go, go ahead oh we we actually go we go to most countries in europe too and canada so oh well that's good we have a global audience so benji i'm glad that you're here so i i got a, que a question now when did you find out that you had a gift for impersonations? Well, a, a good question. Um, well, actually, I've always been funny. I've always been a class clown in elementary school, that kind of thing. But eventually, I think in the 1980s, I was just doing two impressions, Ronald Reagan and Ed Sullivan. You know, and it sounds quite a combination, right? So it was <laughs> like, I found at one point I could do more. And then when Jimmy Kimmel had this thing, sending you tape, I did. You know, that, that's a whole other story in itself, how this thing happened. I mean, it's, 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 an, it's kind of an amazing story. Um, but um, then I was able to do more, and I kept practicing trying to do more. Now I'm up to about 190 voices, impressions, accents, animal noises, sound effects. Maybe not everyone is tier one, but a lot of them, most of them are, are pretty close, you know, if not tier one. Do you hear, do you hear the voice in your head first before you try it, or... Are you going to find content to hear the voice and then you try it? You know, the only way I can explain that is because I wonder myself. Uh, uh, you, <laughs> you, kind of, you listen. You, no, good question. You listen and feel the voice. That's why I can explain it. You know. I I remember trying to do impersonations for a long time. Just I mean, not that I thought I had a gift for it, but it was a fun thing to do growing up. You know, we impersonate. Yeah, Whether yeah, it's yeah. Rodney yeah, Dangerfield, you know, I think anybody could probably try and do one or two. What, what, it, what, it, like, um, it's like, like you, you play it, play a voice on YouTube you want to do, and you try and talk along with the voice. That's what I try and do, and uh, you know, I can't get every voice, but I, but I, but I do a lot. Let me get an example of what I mean, okay? Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> Hello. This is Dr. Fauci. I just want to say hi to everybody. I'm your well-known infectious disease doctor right here. Uh, listen, next week, we all have to have 10 shots next Monday, okay, in one day. <laughs> and that's going to solve the problem for COVID for the rest of your life, okay? Just make sure before you have the 10 shots, you, ha you ha have steak and broccoli and maybe some mashed potatoes. And don't, for don't forget the chocolate pudding afterwards. That's going to help the injection strength go bigger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no offense but i want to punch that guy in the face <laughs> this is a tough time for him man i mean what I'm, I'm sure he's telling you the truth but he but people in his position you're gonna because of what's happening he'll be mocked did I, you know what's funny about him he's like 90, 90 95 percent of the time he, he kind of talks like that but then it, there's another voice you only hear uh, uh, one be maybe once once like every year or two it's, it's just like a like a mafioso voice it's like 
yeah, yeah, why not go out there and, and get get the COVID shot like that? You know, kind of, you know, yeah, you know, if you want to do it, go ahead, you know. I'm going to use that mafioso voice because I'm talking to Italian guys right now, but what, you know, later on. I go back to my other voice like that, you know, when I talk to the president and everything's like that, Dr. Fauciism, you know, okay, here, here, right here, there you go, right here. God. <sighs> okay. Oh What's your. What is your favorite? What is your favorite impersonation to do? The one you never get tired of. There's there's so many, but it's, it's kind of fun to do as Sullivan, even though you know there's there's, there's the twenty year olds watching right now. They're saying to themselves, "Who is that?" You know. He's a legend, is who he is. Oh please, man! I mean, actually, it's now fiftieth anniversary. He went off the air this year. It's fifty years. It's been fifty years. You know, he was him like Carson were so good. I think they withstand the test. It was, it was, it was, I was telling this to somebody the other day, a young guy, a young guy. I was telling in like 29, he was, he, I was saying that I was telling him that we that back in the 60s, most people didn't have color TV sets. You know, they were too expensive. Yeah. You know, yeah. and everybody watched the same TV, which you don't see anymore. Or maybe you do somewhere, but I mean, um, yeah, in order, you know, now where are my, where are my youngsters right here, here now? <laughs> God, his voice that i and i'm because i was a fan so like that for those of you who don't know that was spot on <laughs> it was just like mr sullivan yeah i, I mean but i mean here's even something even funny to talk about history the first ed sullivan show the beatles did that that month february 64 i'm all, by the way i'm also a beatles historian so the three ed sullivan's one after the other the first one was live live in new york february 9 64 the second one was live, live in Miami at the Dover Hotel on the 16th. On the 23rd was a repeat shot um, on the afternoon of the 9th before they went live for the very first time. So on the very first one on the 9th, the one that broke all the, his all the history books, that actually Davy Jones was on there before he was on the Monkees and Frank Gorshin was on there before he was the Riddler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy jeez. Uh, back here too. Huh? I want to ask you something. I, there, there, actually, you gave me two thoughts, at, and now they're fighting with each other about what wants to come out first. But I want to ask you about the entertainment business because you said something. Back then, everyone watched the same shows or you watched nothing because there was three channels. You right. watched Ed Sullivan. Everybody did. Everyone had that. Now you have – it's not just three channels – you have 3,000 channels on 3,000 different right. streaming networks and different right. cable networks, and it's different. Like, celebrity is much, much different. As an entertainer, someone that was born to entertain like yourself, how do you prepare or how do you adjust when now everyone has an oversaturation of content, an oversaturation of entertainment? How do entertainers like yourself that were come from the old school – adjust to this new time well you just do i mean i, I don't, i'm a trumpet personator too i don't i don't get a lot of jobs i, I get one once in a while there's other people that do it you know mm -hmm. i'm not the only person that, that does voices I mean, there's a few other people out there that don't do it too but just so you know back in the 60s that's what i was doing i was doing tv commercials and print ads yeah you know that in a way different time it started in 64 and went i think it stopped like my brother got sick in the very beginning of 1966. I think it stopped then, and then it continued again. I got some pretty awesome TV commercials at the time, and a lot of people don't have things to show for back then. But I have three TV commercials on my YouTube right now. Uh, I get that it's wonderful to share, and I have some print ads too. 
Yeah, you have um, in your YouTube channel, and those of you who watch this on our network or you go to livemonoworldwide.org, which is right below us, um, we'll, when we post this episode, you're going you're gonna to see a link to his YouTube channel. And it, there's some just brilliant, brilliant stuff there. And like my wife and I were watching just before you came on, and she was laughing her face off. I mean, you're just a really talented guy. Um, uh, you know what? I like to hear that. That's that kind of makes me feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. You know, so. you well, yeah. You're. I mean, your talent is is legit. Um, how are you? Because again, now because of technology, you have where I I have two agents, for instance, but. I and I I get myself booked on my own more than I do through my agents for regular. What do you, what do you, you have two agents? What do you go American Airlines? <laughs> no, they specialize in different things. But uh, by the way, that's um by the way um that that's that's the fourth TV commercial I did that disappeared from the face of the earth, 1965. Really? Yeah, I did three three. I did okay. You can find this interesting. Um, Remco Toys was very big in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how old you are. I, I, I'm guessing you're way younger than me. A little bit. Okay, that's good. I have more gray hair than you, but you know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch that every week with my father. So the Three Stooges bring back a lot of happy memories. Sure. So people think, well, okay, he doesn't have any hair. Well, there's some hair left. Come, come back with your money. I don't want to come back like Larry Fine. You know what I mean? That's just that's too weird for me. You know? Yeah, I like Larry Fine. No, so thing, I got where we. Oh, my TV commercials. Yeah. Back in the, Remco Toys, I did a TV commercial. It's a sixty-second black and white spot. Has just me in it for Blippo, B L I P P O Choo Choo Train for Remco. Every time I see this thing, I said, "You got. You can't even believe. I can't even believe all these years later, I'm still in this something like this. It's so cool with the corny music. You know. Um. How are you? So, how are you getting booked now? Are you booking through an agent, or are you are you utilizing all of the new, like gig salad and all casting? Yeah, once, once in a while, once in a while. But I'm looking to take it to the next level. I'm going to take it to the next level for TV shows and film. And if I could find the right person, manager, or agent that believes in me, then we could then we could do something seriously. You know. Let, let's talk about this because this is one of my favorite things to discuss. Sure. What do you? What do you? In, I mean, now don't give away ideas, but what are you seeing that you're wanting to do, and how you're wanting to go about changing it? Because uh, I see. How do I explain this? I don't want to come. I don't want to come across the wrong way. I see no, people, just be honest. No, I, I just see people on TV that don't <laughs> have any talent. People are on TV doing things that don't have any talent. And they're saying, "Okay, if they could do it, and, and I have some talent, why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Maybe they have the right agents. Who knows? You know." But how do you want to change? the industry oh that's a good question i have to get into it first but seriously <laughs> before i could change it but that's the best part that's why i keep bringing up technology right like i i didn't i had my opportunities with pretty straightforward opportunities but i envisioned doing things a different way i didn't want to lose my voice i didn't want to sell out and change who i was to be able to fit and to make things work so i took a longer harder road that said, that longer, harder road of owning your own content, owning your own messaging, owning your image, owning all of it, that's available now because of technology. Why my wife and I started a nonprofit media organization, a full service media organization where we make films and TV shows, where we are producing events, 
and, and, and making movies and writing books and doing all this stuff. We did this because we wanted to teach other people how to do it on your own. That way you don't have to compromise who you are, what you believe in, and you just get to be yourself and be a talent because now you can carve your own path and it doesn't matter how old you are. You don't have to do it the way Hollywood says you have to do it. That's not the way we've done it. And we've been, we've found in the last year since we've been doing it, we've been, we've won 11 film festivals so far and that's by doing it our own way. So it can be done and you have five times the talent that I do. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to hear what you're dreaming about because if we can help you make that come yeah, true, I'd love, to, I'd, love to be, I'd love to be in a TV show, like a TV series. I mean, uh, I'd like to be start doing a few fi serious films, big time films, you know, that kind of stuff. But I mean, oh, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, if you want to do that, what, let me ask you something. If someone goes, Benji, here's $10 million, but you have to spend it on your own creation. Can't be something that's been done before. It's not you fitting into someone else's film. You get to create with $10 million. What would you do? Well, I have to think about that one. That's a, that's a real good question. Uh, I'd have to I'd probably figure something out to do to make a film. Uh, what would it be know. about? What have you always wanted to do but never had the opportunity to do? Be, being on a TV series, you know. Um, I, was, I was on a TV show once. Besides Jimmy Kimmel, I was on Comic Book Man, you know. Yeah, I saw that. That was a good one, too. That was a good one. Oh, and I, I tweaked in some voices on a non-performing show. I don't think anybody's ever done that, you know. So that was that was just fun. And, uh, you know, they let me they let me improvise, do what I want, you know. Let, but I had to let them talk. You yeah. Know? But see, that's the thing. I know you have your own ideas of what you would do. What is that? What, maybe, uh, maybe, a, a, maybe a TV series about a comic, you know. Maybe a TV series about um, something related to comedy somehow, you know, like a, a struggling comic and how they make it or that kind of thing, or it, just, it could be anything. And every every one of those stories are unique. I get, one of my favorite thing about comedians, and so why I'm such a fan of comedy and why I reached out to you to begin with, is when my dream as a kid of being a talk show host. Um, and also pitching products on HSN, don't ask. It's just this strange thing that I have even to this day. Um, I grew up a talk radio fan. Don Imus, Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony. Opie and Anthony, especially when they had comics on their show, they, they had this thing. It was like a hangout environment. So all the comedians that came on their show would just talk openly about their lives. And it wasn't there. They weren't doing a bit. They were just themselves. And that made me fascinated with comedy because the thing I never knew is, you know, comics are funny. They're hilarious. They're the class clown. They're the, the family clown. But really what they're doing with that comedy is masking the fact that they're dying inside. Like that was the majority of what I saw from some of the even clean comics, dirty comics. They all had the story of childhood pain. And that's what brought out the comedy in them. What was your childhood like? Well, uh, doing it, doing it, starting in 1964 when I was six years old, um, starting doing that, my, my grandmother, I, I don't know this 100% sure, but I'm close. She, she pressed my, my mother. She, she, my grandmother pushed my uncle in the show business singing. You know, <laughs> her son, my uncle. So she kind of said to my mother, you know, get him, in, get him into modeling. She, my mother, you know, 
listens to her. That's I guess that's what what they did. You know, I got lucky with a lot of stuff. When kids got nothing, yeah. So it, it was a different road back then, and it almost broke up my family because I was never home. My father was a teacher. He was this dead set against us. He was against my mother, my grandmother. He did really? not like my grandmother. They did not get along. So it almost broke up my family. And I think it was in the in the very beginning of 1966, somewhere in there. So I, at the time I was uh, seven. See, my brother was four and my sister was two. So they agreed to stay together because of the kids. So if you're thinking you're getting your kids into modeling, contact me first. I'll tell you. I'll give you the the real deal about it. People think they know. You got to be careful that both parents are in tune with it. You know, you work out as so you so you don't work broke, break your family up. So you, so you work it out so you're both in tune. Both can work it out. So one of you is with the kid at the interview. And it, the interview is what does it. Rushing down to Manhattan. Not from Rye, New York, which is about a suburb about 25 miles from Manhattan. So you get into rush hour. Then you have to come back. So it takes time and, and, and money and, you know, uh, like anything else, you know. Well, that's <clears> – there's a lot of whores of – I didn't say whores. Horrors of the modeling industry i mean that's a big place where trafficking like sex trafficking starts and it's it's a wild wild road and i agree with you that both parents need to be involved because it really does take two sets of eyes and ears to be aware and to be able to watch out because i think you can attest to this people think they know sharks and snakes and and darkness but you've never met con artists quite like you meet in the entertainment industry would you agree uh, uh well so much true i don't i don't really um yeah i guess yeah i understand what you're saying uh i don't know what my mother came across then but i mean uh some some of this was actually funny besides I was bringing, like um i asked my two front teeth so she went to this dentist and had had two front teeth made so every time i went in before i went into the interviews right to put this this uh powdery stuff in my teeth didn't stick them in and go in. And then when it came out of the interview, she took them back out. So some of this gets to be funny, you know? That would be funny. My mom used to make me stand in front of the mirror and practice smiling. And I had these, um, I had gap teeth at the time. And I was so self-conscious of my smile and everything else, but she would make me sit in front of that mirror and practice smiling on cue nonstop. And I hated it because I modeled as a kid too. And then I wanted to play football and just be gross and everything else. Well, I never in my wildest dreams thought that her making me stand in front of a mirror and smiling was going to pay off for me, but eventually it did. So thank you, you know, for my. You don't remember? You don't remember what years they were, or you don't have to say if you don't want to. I mean. Oh, I'm not. I mean, I'm 42 now. I was oh. I was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I modeled up until I was about 13, but then I just like I I didn't want to get me. This is how stupid. We are as kids. I quit playing golf because I didn't want to be considered a wuss because golf wasn't cool then. Uh, I wanted to be a football star. Should have played golf. Uh, and then I also didn't want to be known as a model because I didn't want to get picked on by all my friends because I had enough issues. And so I was like, I'm not modeling. I was making really good money as a kid modeling, and I didn't want to do it because I was embarrassed. Looking back at it, how freaking silly is that? There's a few stories because the other commercials I did with one was for Rambler Cars, 1965 with, with um, five other kids, and another one, the last one was the GI Joe Capsule 79, which was the biggest toy promotion and contest in the history of toys at the time. All three on my YouTube, 
and we got wild and we were in football outfits for rambler cars this is think look at the time this is july of 65. the beatles were at the two weeks later the beatles played shea stadium the world's fair was on you're in a moment in time in in a million years you'll never see either one again the cars the tv shows the the toys everything from that decade you'll never see again but we we got wild i remember this one i think director came um we were kids you know came up to us and separated us in groups of threes he goes you three go with him you three come with me i want you to stare at this football and pretend air is coming out of it so i'm looking at the football like this <laughs> for like two minutes what kind of like I say, what kind of sense does that make and i guess he had a we were just too wild i think we were which we had you know this one producer kept teaching me how to catch a football i was six years i was six years old I kept dropping it. He threw it again. I dropped it. He kept throwing it. I kept dropping it. So that's why I never played football. So, <laughs> what what would you say the biggest thing that you've learned from working in the entertainment industry all these years? What well, has... I, I, I haven't been doing it all these years. I only I did it in the sixties. I came back only to do. I came back actually to do. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. Then I did stand up five years after that. So I haven't been doing it really for years. Of course, when you when you when I stopped, I was tired of going to Manhattan for these for these interviews. They eventually fizzled out, but I never, you know, you're eight years old, you don't say this stuff. Wait, stick with this because you'll be on, you could be on a TV series and make mm. millions. Of course, you don't think that when you're eight years old. Now I think about it. Why, geez, I should have stuck with it. But I had an agent back then, you know. But you, I say all those years, all these years, because I don't believe it leaves you, because here you are right. now wanting to be back in TV. Right. And I don't think that it ever leaves you. You get frustrated with it. You can say it's crap and screw this. My agent's a douchebag, whatever. But the fact is, if you have it, you have that bug, you have that right. gene in you that wants to entertain, it doesn't go away. Ever. Hey, I, I, told, I told you over here, you know, I told you. No one wants to hire me over there, I told you. I get no respect there. <laughs> I'm walking down the street, you know. The guy walks right by me, I told him, give me an egg sandwich. <laughs> I get no respect there. <laughs> Back to School is one of my favorite movies ever. I love the Danger film. Okay, oh, Caddyshack, man. they keep doing Caddyshack. That's like a constant rerun, you know? Oh, well, they've redone it with the black cast now. I didn't. I haven't seen it since they've redone it, but I think they could have left part one and just leave it. I don't think we needed a part two. That movie was brilliant when it I'm came not out. Really, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of remade movies, really, but, you know. Yeah. What um? Who was your inspiration growing up? Like, who did you did? Who did you say I want to be like that guy? I don't think I really had anybody. You know, really. Well, I've always liked as far as comedy goes. I don't see. I don't get excited over these name comics. I just don't. You know, I know other people fawn over these people, go crazy, whatever. I always liked Rickles growing up. You know, Don Rickles. Yeah, but towards the end, it gets got to be the same thing. After a while, after a while, it gets to be the same thing. As good as he is. And he's, like, they call stand-up comedy his a sit-down. He just makes it up as he goes. And nobody could do that. Very few people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he he's one of, to me is really, really funny. And I, I love people that can just be real, off the cuff, funny. Uh I got a question. And I and I this is a different generation, but I, I don't even know why I feel led to ask this. Because I've never asked this question from anybody. Do you have it do you know who Joe Rogan is? sounds familiar yeah okay never mind i was going to ask what your opinion on him was he's somebody that i <clears throat> i don't want to be like there's no one i want to be like i don't look at somebody and go i want their career because I, I i see where 
I, I like the path that I'm on and what I'm getting to experience. So I don't really look at anyone's life and go, wow, I want that because I know that there's other things that go with that that you don't want. <clears throat> that said, he is somebody to me that has been an inspiration for what they're doing. And especially now where we have cancel culture, we have people that, you know, people are getting censored and all that. I admire him because he really has blazed this trail of speaking his own truth. And now he's in the, he's in the, he's in, now he's being confronted with that truth and being challenged and he's staying with it. What is your opinion? I mean, when I say staying with it, like he's not backing down, he's not apologizing, he's staying true to who he is. How important is holding on to your truth as an entertainer and you wanting to go into TV and or you know movies or what a, a big series? How important is it to you as an entertainer to remain true to yourself, or are you willing to kind of bend and all of that? to be able to make those dreams come true? Well, I learned that a long time ago, I guess. That, that is, that is the, the, the end goal, isn't it? To, to be yourself. That's yes. what separates you from other people. You don't try and be yeah. somebody else. But I mean, um, if it meant, you know, if it meant to be, be making a million dollars or something, if I had to bend, I would ha definitely bend. I'd have to, you know? Yeah. That's a, it, it's an interesting... It's it's that I asked that question. I don't know why. I just felt led to ask it because it is a challenge that a lot of entertainers do have to make. It's a choice that they have to make. Do I compromise my values? Do I do this? And because you see that money, you see that opportunity, and it's hard. To, I mean, it's hard to say no to, especially when you perceive it as life changing money. So right. I appreciate that. How um. I another random question. If you weren't in entertainment or wanting to, you know, entertain, be a com comedian, um, being a brilliant impersonationist, <laughs> what what would you be doing? If you weren't doing what you're doing now or going for what you're going for now, what is that other thing that you see yourself doing that you haven't done? Not officially in voiceovers because I'm not, I don't really know how to read any copy or script and you have to go through this process, you know what I mean? Even though I do many, many voices, many, many, many voices, it's more about acting with your voice. So I'd have to start from the beginning doing that, you know, you know. That's explained to people. I, I'm so glad that you said this, actually, because it's it for me, I can sit and talk from the heart all day long. Reading copy, especially someone else's words. Yeah. That is a sport. <laughs> it's one of the toughest things. It is you because you have the difference between like you're not you're not doing what I'm doing, impressions, accents, all kind of stuff. You know, as it's it's it's, it's 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 acting with your voice. Hey, how you doing? You know, whatever or excitement, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Picking up on those unseen commas and the the pauses right. and the inflections when you need to inflect and yeah, it's, I read um so I, I, I really thought I was getting this gig, but uh, on it was actually on all casting, believe it or not. Sci the Sci Scientology channel was looking for somebody to be the voice of the network. And so in the auditions, and I got called back six times. Serious? I'm reading it, reading it exactly the way, like, I'm, first of all, I, I believe what I'm reading because the propaganda they have is amazing. Now I completely understand why people convert. <laughs> to to Scientology because this propaganda 
is amazing. It's like first class propaganda. Um, that said, I get kept getting called back and I'm reading it exactly the way I think that they're wanting me to read it. But I was off just this little bit and it drove me nuts because I thought I was doing an amazing job, but it's not the way the director had envisioned it. So they picked somebody else. They picked somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably for the best I didn't get it because <laughs> I probably would have joined Scientology. Hey, that's, but... a, hey, that's that's unusual uh, being called back six <laughs> times. I've heard of maybe two times, three times, but uh, you know, they called me. I, so I was um, one of the things that I was doing was also working private security because you know in L.A. and New York, actors they typically have about nine different jobs because that's what you do between gigs, and so I'm working private security for I'm guarding a I can't say his name. Right. But I'm guarding somebody, a, a media mogul, if you will. And uh, the first time I've ever had to carry a gun, did not like the experience at all. So I have a gun in my back, back of my pants. I'm <laughs> supposed to be guarding this guy, and they call me. This is the sixth time that they call. And I, I did the in-person thing for a little bit, and but the last two were phone calls where the director called and said, read this for me. So here it is. I'm nervous as it is because I'm not licensed to carry a gun in L.A. Oh, God. <laughs> and I don't even like carrying guns because I don't trust myself with guns. And I'm on my phone. I'm watching the guy. And I'm repeating everything the director's telling me as I'm watching it because I knew who it was. And I really, really wanted this gig because it would have been <laughs> really good money. Needless to say, I didn't get a call back after that. But anyway, I'll never forget it to this day. But well, it was so well, frustrating. Case in point, learn how to use a gun before you carry it, you know? <laughs> yeah, never mind the the uh, gun safety issue at hand. <laughs> but, Listen, I'm I not I telling people to do this. Do, by the way, I do sound effects too, you know, and animal noises, so. I want to hear it. Give me some. Uh, I, this, is, this is a Dick Cheney impression. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Most people won't get that joke. <laughs> I do. Uh, that, was a while. that was like 20 years ago, right? God, yeah. Is that? Yeah. Because that's right Right when the Afghanistan war started. Right. <laughs> so, in Iraq. Okay. Here's some animal noises, okay? I'm yeah. just going to read off a sheet because I'm not going to remember every one of these, okay? Okay. I'll just say what they are first. Walrus, cow, sheep, goat, parrot, turkey, owl, donkey, two versions of a dog barking, crow, duck, pig, goose, wolf, cat, rooster, horse, and a bear. Are we ready? Yep. Gone. <laughs> I didn't say that, honey. I promise. Sorry, I said that sounded like my wife when she's in heat. But uh, really, <laughs> hang on to that wife, buddy. She's a good woman, man. My wife is an amazing woman. 
Benji, you're awesome, man. I appreciate your time. I'm so grateful you were here. Um, and we, we have to do this again. Definitely. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. I'll be in touch. Thanks, Joshua. Benji Greenberg, everybody. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back. What is this? Oh, yeah.
All right, everybody. So, welcome back. Uh, we are still a gratitude unfiltered remixed. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of music, and uh, <laughs> which I'm really excited about. And uh, also, I want to share this because you know, looking at me DJing is not in the world. It's just not. It's not exciting stuff. <laughs> so. I want to I, I want to do this, but also um, I started a blog. And uh, before we got into this, I started a blog that I'm putting on Medium. Um, I'm also putting it on uh, our website, which is at livemodelworldwide.org, which you can see there, uh, right below us. And I'm going to put this here. Let's see, is it playing now? There we go. Yeah. So, uh, Gospel House. <laughs> but I started a blog, and one of the things that I want to do is make sure that I'm keeping my social media kind of free and lighthearted and fun. Because here's the thing I am free and lighthearted. I can feel it. I'm, I'm lighthearted. I'm a fun guy. The visions I get are not real fun. <laughs> it's not. They're not always great. Sometimes they suck. But here's the thing. And you can go to my blog. And if you go to livemodelworldwide.org, today's is called uh, For Who Can Be Against Us. And I get into some scripture there. And uh, I think it's, I, I, I definitely think it's worth checking out. So I'd appreciate you doing that. And of course, thank you for watching the show. Um, man. And I also want to thank you for all the support that you guys have given me. And for, I don't call them mishaps. Look, I'm perfectly imperfect. And, and I've embraced it. I've embraced who I am. I'm going with it. And I love it. I won't change it. Um, also, I want to show, I don't know if I can do both at the same time. I've made a profile on Gig Salad and posted about it last night. And um, I'm going all in. Like, so everything you're seeing here with this transition now with music, because I have been DJing, the talk show, speaking, um, I finally decided to put myself out there for something that will lead to my dreams coming true and not... Well, what I normally make profiles for, <laughs> or what I've done in the past, and uh, oof, it's kind of amazing that it's taken this long. But I, I, it's time. It's time for all God's warriors. It's time for all of God's people, His children, to rise up, to stand up, to fight. And I'm not saying declare war on the government. But at least stand up and ask questions and not question the narrative. Like the spirit inside you has got to be telling you something's not right. Something's not right, right? Oops, wait, come back. Where'd it go? Why did I cancel out like that? Come back. <laughs> God's got to be telling you to question things. 
being so obedient to man. Be obedient to the spirit inside you. Question the narrative. Question. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. I'm going to play a little bit of music for you to enjoy and uh, be blessed. Thank you. 
Cool. This is the light switch. Oh, no. 